Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. The case to be heard in oral argument is Bales versus Commandant. Mr. Marr, whenever you're ready. Good morning, Your Honors. It's a pleasure to begin here uh, with you again. On September 23rd, 2021, Robert Bales' attorney, John Marr, delivered an oral argument to the U.S. Court of Appeals in Denver, Colorado. Over four years had passed since their case was dismissed by the Army's appellate court. But that loss hasn't dissuaded Meyer. Not yet. This is a case, although it's a, a very tough case, admittedly, where the accused pled guilty to killing 17 Afghan civilians. There are two fundamental, completely constitutional implications to show why the military courts did not give full and fair consideration or adequate consideration. And here's why, if I could break them down briefly. Mefloquine, it has now been determined by the United States FDA to cause long-term psychotic effects. I want to focus on your methylquin argument. As I understand it from the court's opinion below, there was no testimony at all that he was prescribed methylquin, that he took methylquin. In fact, I don't think he ever said that he took methylquin. I respectfully disagree, Judge. Okay, on which one of those do you disagree? On all of them. Previously on The War Within, In Iraq, I see what looked to be purple ghosts. The best explanation for these delusions is chronic methylene poisoning. I started having headaches after my second tour. If you get a traumatic brain injury, you kind of lose parts of yourself and you become really disinhibited. 
you know about the time that uh, Bales beat the shit out of that jingle truck driver, right? Bales was running around with a chicken with a fucking head cut off. And I think you have to carry a little bit of a, a swagger to say, and I'm going to be all right. Not only am I going to be all right, we're going to kill that bastard. I'm Mike McGinnis. This is The War Within, the Robert Bales story. For the past seven years, Robert Bales and John Maher have been trying just about everything in order to give the convicted war criminal, who's sentenced to life, a second chance. But thus far, the American legal system has not looked favorably upon them. In 2017, they lost their appeal with the Army. Since then, they've tried to make their argument in various civilian courts. First, we find ourselves in the United States District Court for the District of Kansas, essentially saying that the military got it wrong. Uh, We lost in the district court in Kansas, so we filed an appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit, which sits in Denver, Colorado. At the time of our interview with him, Marr was still waiting to hear back on a decision from the judges in Colorado. The attorney expressed cautious optimism that the powers that be would give their case a fair look. At the very conclusion of the case, I said, Judge, you know, how do we let this lie? You got to get to the merits of the case. And I believe, not to quote him, but in other words, Judge Erbil noted, he says, well, I believe he might be right. You know, if the government ordered Bales to take a poison, he took the poison, and he was an otherwise acquitted himself beautifully under fire and under duty uh, for the previous 48 months in infantry combat, uh, close quarters combat, what explains this departure in behaviors? On May 11th, 2023, the Colorado court announced its decision against Staff Sergeant Bales. If you ask Marr, the reasons for this rejection are complicated. For starters, Bales waived some of his rights when he pled guilty. But there's another, potentially more controversial, explanation for what's happening here. If the military admits that Mefloquin was responsible for the Kanhar massacre, it begs the question, what other criminal acts could have been caused by this purportedly harmful drug? If there's soldiers out there that may have committed a sexual assault, if there's soldiers out there who have done physical assault, you know, or attempted murders that are convicted right now, and ultimately it turns out that they were ordered to take mefloquine, well, yeah, it's a very strong precedent to undo a lot of convictions. I think the United States would probably want to avoid a victory. They're not going to open up the floodgates, but they're also going to have an eye on the horizon saying, holy cow. Mars made this point again and again. The U.S. military protects itself. That's why when he takes on a case like this, he doesn't always count on winning the legal battle. But there are multiple ways to advocate for a man like Robert Bales. Most of the time when we catch an appeal, we begin with a multifaceted approach. It's not just the court. We're going to try to do everything that we can to get the word out. In 2020, that strategy even included asking President Donald Trump for a full, unconditional pardon. At the time, Bob expressed that he felt a pardon was the only way he'd ever leave prison. I believe the legal system is so screwed up in the country that the Supreme Court's not going to hear this case. The only chance I have is the same guy who's an outsider to the government right now, and I believe that's President Trump. He's the only hope I have. It wasn't a total long shot. Maher has been successful at getting clients released by Trump during his tenure in office. 
As his presidential term drew to a close, Bales' request for a pardon put his name back in the headlines, which was news that his former colleagues, like Private Gavin Jones, were not thrilled to receive. And I'm like, holy shit. That blew me away that if he was just going to, I'm not going to say weasel out of it, because trust me, I'm sure the guy does have a traumatic brain injury, but that doesn't, you know, still cover you from being a fucking total piece of shit. To be honest, it did really rub me the wrong way. And uh, I was surprised that people's memories were that short. The idea that Bales sh should be vindicated of his crimes or, or, or granted clemency is just crazy to me. That's James Alexander, another private who served under Bales. Here's a guy who has killed people in the past, and he may get a pardon. I don't need to sleep like that. In the end, Trump never granted the former staff sergeant a pardon. And as of 2023, it remains questionable whether another president has the potential to be as sympathetic to Bales's plight. We're not necessarily asking the president for a pardon anymore. And that's his, our sensitivity and assessment of this administration is they're not necessarily going to be as amenable to good order and discipline in the military. I don't believe Mr. Biden or Ms. Harris would ever do it. With Bob's chances at freedom shrinking with each passing year, it can be challenging to hang on to a sense of hope. And yet, his wife Carrie Bales still can't help but try. My goal is to get him home, right? So that we can be a family. There's nothing more precious than time. So for me, it's about, yes, I believe that punishment was in order, right? I get that. It's just how long, how long do we need to make him suffer based on all of that we now know it's just time to let let him come home let our warriors out we we let all of them go from gitmo you know we let the terrorists go and they got to go back to wherever they were from so why are we keeping our own american soldiers away from their families of course my dad being in prison affects my everyday life my mom's everyday life my brother's everyday life and really our family everyday life in a whole in recent years, Carrie and Bob's teenage daughter, Quincy, has joined the cause, doing what she can to help her father. I think that as I get older, I want to be more involved kind of with sharing the story more because people think that this whole story is outlandish and crazy. But I think that once people finally get some facts and can see it in front of them, then that's really important. So I'm going to start helping run social media. My goal is to just start getting it out there. That advocacy includes speaking at events, such as a political convention that took place in Louisiana in the summer of 2022. In Louisiana, our trip that we took, we had a table set up, we had information, we had papers. We kind of stood at the tables and we just educated people. People would come up to us, ask us questions. If I have the voice, then I should share it. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. If you're a convicted murderer who wants your case to be reviewed, it can help if the American public is on your side. Just ask Adnan Syed, the subject of the popular serial podcast. After over 20 years of imprisonment and renewed attention from the media, Syed was released from his incarceration. Bales has tried to tell his story his way once before. In 2015, two years after his conviction, he spoke with journalist Brendan Vaughn for a piece that would run in GQ magazine. The first I've heard of the Kandahar massacre, as it was pretty quickly dubbed. If I remember correctly, it was on the front page of the Times, and I just immediately, my eye just went right to it. It raised questions about the state of mind of our soldiers and the impact of fighting such a long war. I mean, there was definitely a sense, as I recall it, you know, of why are we still there? What is the the impact on our soldiers of being still there? What is the impact on 
our country of still being there. If I remember correctly, I mean, you know, there wasn't even much news coming out of Afghanistan. The public had certainly moved on. In the immediate aftermath of his attacks, Bales' saga was covered extensively by the media. But then it left the news cycle. In talking to a magazine writer like Vaughn, Robert Bales had a natural motive for bringing his name back into the zeitgeist. He wanted to tell his story in a way that he felt like he had been unable to get it out prior to that. It was pretty clear that he wanted the article to humanize him. We talked about a lot of different things, not just what he did in Afghanistan, but his life, his upbringing, his wife, his children, his jobs. But there was definitely a heaviness to the way that he came across he was a pretty serious presence on the phone. And what he had done was pretty serious, and he didn't deny any of it. So he talked about it in a really direct way. Every time I got off the phone, it was still, like, just chilling to have talked to somebody that, you know, was convicted of this massacre. Many of the topics covered in this podcast also come up in the written piece. An IED explosion several days prior to the murders. Growing paranoia at the VSP. Bales' explanation for what he had done has also remained constant, up to a point. He firmly believed that the people that he was going after were Taliban. They were not innocent civilians, all of them. He didn't say that the children were, or that the women were, but that the men involved were. And that he felt that these people represented a threat to him and the other soldiers on his base. At no point in the GQ piece is the term mefloquine even referenced. Nobody ever told Vaughn that the drug could have been important to the story. The anti-malarial drug that he was on, I was aware of it. It was a thing that was really kind of deep in the background, though. Lots of soldiers were taking this medication. At the time, there was nothing unique about Bales having taken it. He didn't emphasize it at all. I mean, he might not have even mentioned it at the time. That doesn't mean it's not true. I don't know. But the one thing I can say for sure is that it was a very minor factor back in 2015. The GQ article was titled, Robert Bale Speaks, Confessions of America's Most Notorious War Criminal. After it was published on October 21st, 2015, it was up to the public to determine how they felt. I think that the piece was received as something that had never been told fully because the versions that had been told had never incorporated Bales' version in a meaningful way. But it was widely read, and I certainly got a lot of like appreciative feedback about it that, you know, I'm glad the story is out there. Not long after the story was released, John Marr joined the staff sergeant's defense team. I think that in a full 360 treatment of the issues, but the GQ article didn't have the information that we have. That's because we weren't on the case yet, and we hadn't discovered it. We haven't worked it. Not everybody loved the piece. Private James Alexander felt that it was skewed towards Bob Bales' perspective and away from the facts. Bales writes an article for GQ that isn't vetted. We didn't get talked to at all. There are people listed in the article. For example, at the time, he was my roommate, Doc Cerciello, was never contacted about the article. But there he is in the pages of GQ. I could go point by point on the GQ article and like refute some of the stuff. The article was, to, to be clear, like fact-checked to within an inch of its life. I mean, it was very, very thoroughly fact-checked over a period of weeks. It might have even been more than a month that the fact-checker just worked it every day. 
we addressed it with attribution as much as we possibly could by making clear what came from other places and what came from Bales himself. It was fortunate timing that my counterpoint came out in the Daily Beast uh, shortly after the GQ article came out. Captain Danny Fields, the senior man at VSP Bellamby, also spoke to a journalist to express his point of view on the Kandahar massacre. I wanted an outlet. I think anyone in that situation would probably feel, they'd ask the question, could I have done something to have prevented that? You know, looking back, maybe I did it because it was kind of a defense of myself. Many of the soldiers embroiled in the Kandahar massacre really care about how the incident and their involvement in it is remembered and perceived. Yes, they want to make sure that the American public knows the whole story. But in certain instances, they also seem to be delivering messages specifically to their former colleagues in the U.S. military. Bales wanted to make it really clear how sorry he was to his fellow soldiers for the dishonor that he had brought upon them in his mind and for the tragic errors that he made in both judgment and action in perpetrating this massacre. He expressed far more emotion for the soldiers that he felt he let down than the people that he killed. We've established that prior to March 11th, 2012, Robert Bales was known for being an elite soldier. We spoke with Nick Beasley, a former executive officer who oversaw Bales' platoon in Afghanistan and gave a very positive review of his performance as a non-commissioned officer, also known as an NCO. Bob's the best NCO I ever worked with as far as getting stuff done and understanding the intent. He understood war better than people that wore uniforms in our unit. But the Bob I knew, the, the Bob I know that still exists, cares deeply about his soldiers. And that was one of the things we had heard, that he was worried about his soldiers' safety. I think everything he did came from a place and a desire to take care of his men. I was the guy that people turned to to bring their loved ones back home. This reputation as a warrior and a protector, that's always been a point of pride for Bales. I still remember a guy's wife on my last tour coming up and giving me a hug before uh, before we left. And she's like, you know, bring them back home, you know? And they asked uh, First Alarm Bigham why they sent people where they sent. And he said, you know, they said Bellumbi was bad and I sent my best guy to Bellumbi. This idea that Bales was the best has been central to his defense strategy, both legally and in the press. For instance, Bales claims that he was so highly regarded that he was responsible for preparing his own soldiers for combat in Afghanistan. I'm given pretty much free reign to choose my training. You know, I still have to follow rules and regulations, but at the end of the day, I'm given a lot of latitude to plan my own training. James Alexander was one of the soldiers being trained by Bales. He didn't feel like their squad was ready for battle. We did not have experience I went through SRP with Bales. It's your readiness protocol. So he was right next to me. And he's like, oh, you don't have to go to this one. Oh, you don't have to go to that one. But he, again, he, this is his fourth deployment. So I'm like, maybe he's giving me some inside knowledge here. Like maybe he just knows like this is all BS. And it's like check the block training. But it was still, as a brand new soldier, I'm putting my faith in Robert Bales versus the process. And that's the issue. It's like he thought he was above the process. It was really interesting to see how unprepared we were to go into Bellumbi and also how unprepared our leadership was. I mean, those guys were like, 
They had no clue where we were going, what we were doing, you know, what we should even be training for. The job was just get in there and you'll get OJT on the job train. And so, like, that's what it became. Private Gavin Jones was brand new to the military in 2012, like Alexander. He remembers that the special forces at the VSP prepared him for combat more than his own infantry leaders. The NCOs never really taught me anything. I really didn't really know is basically all the, the SF guys that would uh, teach us like as we went. In fact, uh, I received more firearm training from those SF guys than I ever did from Bales. Combining unproven guys like Gavin with elite special forces is not a common practice in the US military. This dynamic allowed the infantry troops, Jones, Alexander, and the unnamed Soldier X to enjoy a much more relaxed environment than usual on their deployment. You're backing up SF guys, and those guys procedurally do whatever they want to do. So, you know, you are following their lead. I was blessed to have a super dope deployment in that regard. There was no real uniform standard with your facial hair. It just it wasn't your typical shave every day, make sure your uniform's pristine. It was, uh, hey, we know we're, we're kind of in this hellhole, and we're going to put on some clothes and go to work. I'm eating steaks, you know, in the middle of a, in the, in the middle of nowhere. Like this is, I'm eating better here than I was back home. And we haven't earned any of those rights. We tried to grow beards, you know, and tried to fit in. But the reality is those guys were so far and above and away, like more competent in the jobs than we were. In the armed forces, the culture is set by the people at the top of the chain. At VSB Bellumby, Joes like Alexander were under the command of Robert Bales along with his fellow leaders. It became like an incredibly toxic environment. Uh, incredibly toxic. Uh, as far as the NCOs, I didn't trust them as far as I could throw them. And so that was kind of the situation that um, I think Fields was kind of dealt. I'm sure he was pissed because he's expecting, you know, some great NCOs that are here. And he got essentially what seemed to be sort of the bottom of the barrel. Man, we had one guy that all he could do was PT. That was it. I mean... He was a fantastic runner, and that made him a fantastic leader, right? And it was like, there's a complete disconnect here between, like, being able to run and being able to lead guys. There was another guy who flat out was drunk almost all the time, would show up late to PT almost all the time because he was drunk, right? Like, we had guys that were, you know, outwardly racist. James Alexander is half black. He was one of the only people of color on the American side at the VSP. Bales is a racist. I was singing in the shower and, you know, singing hip hop music. And he's like, who's that nigger in there singing? You know, like, okay. First of all, we're using words like, okay. We're using the, the, the ER. Okay, nice, nice. You know, and it's like, this was, you know, what he would say. But when he saw it was me, he was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like, cool, fuck your sorry. How about that? Bales, he'd have his off the cuffs remarks about like minorities and like, people of color he thought might have been like joking in that sense i know for a fact mclaughlin was saying some racist shit around and uh, bales would say some shit too but again yeah they dress it up with a uh, veil of comedy or you know camaraderie if you will he was menacing with it he was just a at, at times he's a really menacing mean bastard and unfortunately he also had the ability to abuse power because he's in an authority position 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Speaking as a former infantryman, hearing that a soldier's made racist comments, that doesn't exactly shock me. Prejudice runs rampant in the U.S. military. Many soldiers like to treat the service like a locker room, as Captain Fields can attest. It wouldn't surprise me to learn that, you know, some things might have been said. Not that I'm condoning it, but I think that's very normal in the military. People say a lot of stupid shit. Did I hear any of that? No. David Wesley, 
a black veteran who served two tours with Bales, refutes this idea that Bales discriminated against African Americans. The army is very racist, but Bob wasn't racist. Not at all. Some of the people that he chose to be friends with were, but Bob wasn't that way. I was one of like nine people in the battalion that were black. And so you can imagine what that was like, but Bob made sure it wasn't like that with him. I remember when I brought my brother to the barracks, Bob was there with his roommate and uh, his roommate said something stupid because he was shit face drunk. That was along the racial line. But Bob kind of mushed him into the chair and was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Still, James Alexander knows what he heard and what he saw. He's confident that Bales felt superior to other races. Not just black Americans, but Afghans too. When you come from a, you know, a time that Bales did and a place that he did, racism is kind of sort of a way of life. And so it gave Bales the ability to be like, you know, I may be a lot of bad things, but at least I'm not black. At least I'm not an Afghan. People always think that, you know, they automatically assume that I dislike Muslim people, right? Like that's an, that's an assumption. You know, I'll get letters from people and they'll say stuff like that. And uh, I would like to think, and I know it's true, that we as American soldiers help more Muslim people than we hurt. You know, how many people would we take food to? How many people would we take water to? Our perspective is skewed now. Understand that we're trying to add American values to, you know, people that may not want American values. Some of Bales's comments across our 18 hours of interviews seem to indicate that he wasn't always comfortable as an American immersed in Afghan culture. Here he is talking about the Muslim prayers that were regularly chanted around Iraq and Afghanistan. The call to prayers, um, and they're, they're, they're scary originally because you don't know what it is. You know, Allah Akbar, you know. Uh, in my mind, it immediately clicks some negative connotation. Maybe it's a fear for me, maybe it's whatever it is, but you know, you hear the call to prayer, you know, which is played over the speakers. It's, it's, it drowns out every other sound around. Um, it's something that I feared just because it was different. This innate fear is problematic for a soldier who's supposed to be allied with certain factions of Afghans. But even then, vets like Panjway podcast host Curtis Grace will argue that a certain degree of racial profiling is necessary to being a good soldier. If there was any ever kind of negative feelings towards the Afghan people, it's because we knew that a good portion of them were trying to kill us. I know a lot of guys struggled with this idea is like, well, fuck the civilians. They're all future Taliban or they're already Taliban. And I struggle with that a little bit too. Nobody's 100% good on either spectrum. It's just like, are the civilians really all Taliban? Obviously the answer is no, but it's kind of hard to say that. Part of Bales' mission in Panjway was to distinguish the innocent Afghans from the enemy Taliban. This was a major adjustment for the staff sergeant who spent several years on the offensive under shock and awe guidelines in Iraq. You know, we did a thing where we gave 30 family food for 30 days. So we'd take them rice and grain and, and other things, and we'd take them out there like cooking oil, and we would uh, hand it out in these local villages. Uh, humanitarian aid kind of thing. But the truth is, I really didn't trust them at all. You know, they're being kind to us 
Are they really being kind to us, or are they really just going to stab me in the back? Soldier X theorizes that his senior NCO had a skewed perspective about what their squad was trying to accomplish in Afghanistan. I think he often did feel like he was fighting with one hand behind his back. I think all he saw was, man, I just want to go and be this badass and kick down doors. We're not going to take care of business and do things just because we're badass, just because we want to go and, and hurt people. We have an end goal in mind of establishing this place to be a good place. I don't think Bale saw that. It was incredibly disheartening to see the, the risks that were taken for, for no reason. Our first patrol, he had us trying to kill a guy on a bike. There's a guy on a bike rolling up and he's like, shoot that guy. <laughs> and we're like, uh, no, no, not letting this dude up. Then he starts calling us faggots for not also firing our weapons. Shooting your weapon, you're a fag. <laughs> I understood that at any time we could do whatever we wanted on a battlefield, and it was only the politicians, the officers, whoever's creating these rules of engagement that were holding us back. He really, really wanted to be involved in the kill. He really wanted to kill. Um, any other time we would engage someone. He would be the first one there. He would be the one trying to make the shot. Among the lower enlisted, I mean, we're brothers. Shared experiences, the things you go through, we were above and beyond tight. And that's because we all had a common enemy. And it wasn't the Afghan, it was Bales. Luke Coffey is another veteran who co-hosts the Panjway podcast with Curtis Grace. He has plenty of experience with NCOs who fit the mold of Robert Bales. I think that people like Bobby Bales are probably inherently broken. And they're like this specific kind of personality that can squeeze into the power structure. And within that minute power, the squad leader, you have a little bit of wiggle room to be a real toxic asshole to the people underneath you. We were all the victims of our NCOs, essentially. Their abdication of leadership, their inability to do the right thing. Like there were small things that happened over and over again where it was the Joes, you know, the lower enlisted, were the ones that would band together and get stuff done. It wasn't long before the special forces took notice of the strange dynamic on the base, as Gavin Jones recalls. They weren't as patient, shall I say, with Bales and just some of his maneuvers and the way he went about things, or just his weirdo vibe. I don't think they invited him into Club Cool Guy. And after Bales, on a whim, punched an Afghan truck driver, the SF began to marginalize his role and weaken his power. Bales beat the shit out of that jingle truck driver, right? Like his first like words are like, oh man, like what are they gonna do to me? You think I'm gonna be okay? Like don't say anything to the guys. What are we gonna tell them? He's talking about the guys, he's talking about the SF crew. If I remember correctly, that's when some of the SF guys started questioning us about Bales, about like, hey, is that guy like all right? Like, what's up with him? That's when he started publicly becoming um, a little bit more unhinged and being a lot more insecure about his position. He felt like he was being excluded from certain meetings. I'm sure that he was. So, uh, yeah, that's probably just aided into his decline. In contrast to some of the infantry Joes, Danny Fields, the SF captain, didn't speak critically of Bales as a soldier during our interview. Bales was just kind of a normal person. Nothing really stuck out to me that, that he was much different in any way. Generally, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of interaction with Bales, but there was nothing that really surfaced 
that was brought to my attention that would have made me consider that he needed to be removed from that position or that he was not fit for that position. As he sits in Fort Leavenworth prison, Bales doesn't speak negatively of Fields and the SF, even though he didn't always agree with their decisions during combat. I'm not going to talk negative about those guys because I think they're, I think they, looking back on it, I think they had a different mission set. They didn't want to be that aggressive. They wanted to kind of sit back and they had a saying, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, everybody comes back home alive. But they had set an example that we were going to let the Taliban flee and we weren't going to kill them, which emboldens them. As the top dogs at the VSP, the special forces had the leeway to make unilateral decisions. Some of them were allowed to potentially jeopardize their own safety. James Alexander explains. That we had SF guys that would walk out at night alone to try to build rapport with the locals. This guy, he was an SF guy, obviously spoke the language, and he looked the part. You know, he would walk around in the village, and he would come back with intel. This is major. According to Alexander, Bales was not the first person to leave the base without warning during this deployment. What's more, Executive Officer Beasley posited that there were ways for the SF to make impromptu actions seem like planned, official business while in Afghanistan. We actually had one of our officers that went out to a site where there was an SF guy doing black ops, where he would go out and do whatever he wanted. He'd come back and he'd write the op order and say, hey, we're going to go do this. But it had already been done. He killed all the people he needed to kill and came back. I mean, I've talked with journalists before and they've been like, yeah, man, we can't talk about this because the DOD will be like, shut the fuck up. There was all kinds of other activities going on. I mean, the SF guys would go support SEALs that were doing direct action missions in the area. It was just, it was surreal. We spent a lot of time parsing through the possible reasons that Bales would have walked off the VSP. Was it a mefloquine hallucination mixed with alcohol, steroids, sleeping pills, and a history of TBI? Or could he have simply been trying to emulate the soldiers above him before everything went horribly wrong? Let's flash back to March 10th, 2012 two hours before the Kandahar massacre begins. I go see the guy that uh, is responsible for the VSP, and I'm pretty much telling him, I'm like, hey, man, we need to go do something. And uh, he said, basically, you know, mind your own lane. This isn't your business. Go to sleep. Worry about your lane. This is our lane. Screw you. But I think I can get out there, see what it is, make a difference, and get back. In the infantry, individuality is discouraged. Follow orders. Listen to your superior officer. But Robert Bale seemed to struggle with conforming, which ultimately may have led to his undoing. When you are in the Army, you all look the same, you all act the same across the board. And so I personally kind of fought against that. I didn't like that. Why can't I do everything that everybody's doing, plus be myself a little bit? I understand now why it's done the way it's done. Coming up on The War Within. Before Bob went in the Army, he was in the stockbroking business. I really wanted to be successful. We bought a bank out of West Virginia. And in September of 1999, they shut the bank down. He was in charge of large sums of money for people, and he ultimately lost it all. When September 11th happened, it was a way to give back. People weren't doing the right thing around him. 
he had to take blame for that. If I'm conducting an investigation and all the witnesses say the exact same thing, I got a problem. The crimes that were committed at each location were vastly different. Sometimes people misplace events in trauma. They can't quite figure out the sequence of events. Bob didn't do this on his own. He had help. War Within, The Robert Bales Story, is a production of Bungalow Media and Entertainment, Checkpoint Productions, and Mosquito Park Pictures, in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. The series was created by executive producers Paul Pulowski and David Sheck. Executive producers for Bungalow Media and Entertainment are Robert Friedman and Mike Powers. The podcast was written and produced by Max Nelson and hosted by me, Mike McGinnis. Editing was done by Anna Haverman. Sound design and mix by John Gardner. Teddy Gannon was an archival producer. Layla Ahmadzai was an associate producer. And Peter Solotaroff was a production assistant. Special thanks to Liz Yale Marsh, Nicole Rubin, Marcy Barkin, Zach Burpee, and Mirwai Atal, as well as all of the people who were interviewed for the podcast. Listen and subscribe to The War Within on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.